Okay, transmitting higher top of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet. This is Alpha Mike, and you are listening to episode 260, The Changing of the Guard, part of the Lou Casey crime family and our Wise Guy series that we continue all the way to throughout the year. How do you get in contact with us? Real easy. It's RaiderCop.com, our official website where you can hear all our podcast from number one to number 260 and beyond and our official website we can get all the gossip how do they part their hair in the middle or what are they doing or what do they believe in what do they even look like RaiderCopNation.com looking for gun training and you're in the Philadelphia or South Jersey region Kilo Sierra our co-host is the guy you need to contact It is credible and officially recognized as the best firearms training you can receive. Information is down in the bottom of the show notes. If you are in South Florida, which is Miami or Broward County, contact our good friends down there at AAAGunSafety.com for those out left. Uh, for those on the left, I'll go ahead and spell it out for you. AAA, A-A-A, gunsafety.com. So I went real slow with the A's, so hopefully you got those. And if you're in Central Florida or West Coast Florida, you can drop me a line, Alpha Mike on Raider Cop Nation, which is contact. And uh, if I can't find your good, if I can't do it, I'll find your good uh firearms instructor of course and if you're thinking about repairing your gun uncle joe left you and it's all beat up it looks like it's in horrible condition and you want to see magic occur pistol pete the gunsmith down in miami he was the armorer to thousands of law enforcement officers today he owns his own business pistol pete the gunsmith he will make your gun look new you won't recognize it and the most important part he'll go bang bang like it's supposed to do when he gets through with it 100 percent reliability how do i know well we work together and my life was in his hands always today's episode 260 the changing of the guard we're going to go through the journey of the lucchese crime family to this point How did an organization so well managed end up in such a bizarre state? And this episode is going to answer some of those details. But before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit about some other wise guy news. The Colombo crime family recently, Boss, Underboss, and Consigliere, all took arrest on indictments for trying to control a union. Now, I'm not going to get into the specificalities of the case or uh, so forth. Uh, the boss, Andrew Mush Russo, 86 years old, is a cousin of Carmine Persigo, which is deceased, was the boss of the Colombo crime family for 39 years. So the question is, what will happen as a result of these indictments to their leadership? And will, for the first time in over 40 years, the Colombo crime family have a boss outside of the Persico family? So it's going to be interesting and how they survived this one because uh, it was a major blow to a family which has been on the ropes for quite a while. But we're going to have to look at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue where our bumbling buffoon leader, Uncle Joe, still in charge of our great country, is uh, masquerading as being intelligent. And we'll look at those three stories in Living in the Bolshevik States of Woke. Pass 
also called the servants of the mental with her bipolar uncle, the bipolar. Our first story takes us to the Taliban as negotiations that they have with the United States. The Taliban has said no deal. That's right. Coming to a shock near you, people are perplexed, wondering, how can the Taliban be saying no? They, they were so friendly during these recently evacuations. What in the world has gone wrong? Taliban says they won't work with the U.S. to contain Islamic State. According to the AP a story, October 9th, the Taliban on Saturday ruled out cooperation with the United States to contain extreme extremist groups in Afghanistan, staking out an uncompromising position on key issues ahead of the first direct talks between the former foes since America withdrew from the country in August. Senior Taliban officials and United States representatives are meeting this weekend in Doha, the capital of Qatar. Who cares? Officials from both sides have said issues include extreme extremist groups and evacuation of foreign citizens in Afghanistan from the country. The Taliban have single flexibility on evacuation. Sure they have. But all this other stuff about extremist groups in Afghanistan, off the table, Joe, we don't want to talk to you. Our second story takes us to the New York Post as they correctly report about chronic coughing Joe and Dr. Doubleback Red, uh, which has diagnosed Joe as having allergies. And October 8th, New York Post article says chronic Biden hacking sparks concern. And uh, it goes on as White House Press Secretary Jane Sacking on Friday assured reporters that President Biden's persistent cough is the result of allergies and a more not a more serious condition. Biden, who turns 79 next month but really looks like he's 109, coughed and cleared his throat repeatedly on Friday during public remarks, including an event at the White House lawn with Interior Se- uh, Secretary Deb Halan, whatever the hell that is. Biden and his doctor in the past attribute his frequent hacking when he speaks in public to either a cold or the effects of gastric reflux. Reflux. Who knows? Who cares? If, well, let's just say nobody really cares. His poll numbers are real down, so Joe, keep on (coughs) coughing away. I think that's great. And our third story takes us to Camilla skipping the U.S.-Mexican border security meeting uh, to go to New, New Jersey. That's what people do. I don't often miss border security meetings, but when I do, I travel to New Jersey. Fox News reports October 8th, Camilla Harris skips U.S.-Mexican border security meeting, goes to New Jersey Instead, several top members of the Biden administration were in Mexico City on Friday for a meeting with Mexican officials regarding security along U.S.-Mexican border. But Vice President Camilla Harris was um, wasn't among them. Amongst them, hmm, wonder why Harris, who President Biden appointed in March for no for shits and giggles to manage the U.S. response to the migrant crisis along the border went to New Jersey instead. That's what everybody does, right? And uh, according, uh, attending Friday's high-level talks in Mexico, high-level Mexico, Mexican capital, where Secretary of State Anthony can't get my story straight, Blinken, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Diche 
uh, Morioka and U.S. Attorney Patrick Amateka Gun Garland. Uh, they were also some uh, commie senators were there too. So Camilla has opted out. So isn't it great when your boss gives you an assignment and you can take the liberty and say, <laughs> I'm going to opt out of all that. Let other people do the simple stuff. I'll, I'll just travel around and, you know, waste some gas money on the plane and all that. So there you have it. Those are our three depressing stories of living in the Bolshevik states of woke. As I know and you know, we, it's time to cheer you up a little bit. Got the joke of the week. I picked it myself. Music is playing, Satsa. Your hips are moving left and right. You're getting into the rhythm, and here we go. Dad, can you explain to me what a solar eclipse is? No, son. All right. You don't know much about astronomy, so you're not laughing, and you want to blame me. That's fine. Go ahead. I can be your fall guy. Today's episode, episode number 260. <clears throat> 260, the changing of the guard, part of the Wise Guys series, we look at and examine the Lucchese crime family, and we continue to look at the importance of their management style, but now it's kind of crumbling. We'll explain. As we wait for the clown to bring up the, the horn and we get this party started the clown is always late can never figure anything out come over here buddy okay ready there we go and we're ready for episode 260 the changing of the guard Episode 260, The Changing of the Guard, Wise Guy Series. We are talking about the Lucchese crime family we have for most of this year, all the way into the end of the year, keeping you pretty much in order from inception. We are crawling into the modern age of the Lucchese crime family. So every, almost every episode that we've discussed has been about how well-managed the Lucchese crime family has been. But we're going to start looking at some real, real dysfunction. And some of that dysfunction exists today. So here's our outline form. We'll take out our cardboard boxes and our crayons. First thing up is from the beginning, 1931. Number two... Everything in order, old school. Number three, make the men happy. Number four, commission, case, chaos. Number five, him, bam, bam. Number six, okay, them. Number seven, do as I say, not as I do. Number eight, kill them all. And number nine, drop a dime now our point of or our error starts in 1931 we've always said that Lucky Luciano creates the commission now uh, being mindful that it's the end of an era in Costa Nostra the black hand and uh, Joe Mazzaria and Joe the boss have fought a war and so they're looking for peace Lucky Luciano and to divide the criminal enterprise and he does that in 1931 creating five families 
from those five families, one of them would be the, now it's regarded as the Lucchese crime family, but the original boss was Tom, Tom Gagliano, and he was low-key, as we described in other episodes. He had a mistrust for at least two of the bosses on the commission. Of course, he liked Luciano, and Luciano liked him. That's why he picked him as boss. But he did not have a lot of trust in Joe Bonanno and Joe Pavacci. And as such, he kind of kept his distance, and he went low, low profile. Remaining as the invisible boss, he had his underboss, Tommy Lucchese, run the family, 1931 probably into 1951 and Tommy Lucchese ran that family very loyal to him now a lot of people have always speculated well he should have just killed him and taken over but Tommy Lucchese knew his credibility would go out the window look he was making so much money did it really matter he was the power out in the street did it really matter no it didn't so he kept loyal takes their helm over in 51 till 67 where tommy lucchese dies of brain cancer in 1967 he of course had a pick for successor now we've discussed the pick for successor Sometimes, you know, when you pick somebody, maybe let's say 20 years earlier, it might not work out 20 years later. And in this case, when Tommy Lucchese was succumbing to his cancer, a lot of the people he wanted to see on the top were looking at indictments and so forth. So being placed in the position of boss was not very lucrative for them and very intelligent for the family so we know that Tony Ducks had gotten the nod from Tommy Lucchese but because of indictments it's given to Tremonti Tremonti takes the helm of the family for several years uh, I think till 73 or something similar to that and then Tony Ducks falls into line now, a lot of speculation on that. No, Carlo Gambino, the boss of the, of the Gambino family, he picked it. Look, Joe Bonanno, and a man of honor, in his book, his autobiography, the book he wrote, he says, nobody has the authority to interfere in the business of a boss and his family. So there was no outside influence or anything like that. The Lucchese crime family was a well greased machine they knew exactly who ran what rackets where when and how and who would succeed the only thing they couldn't determine was when these changes were going to be made who was up who was down so there had to be some flexibility to some of that the evidence to that was a couple by the name of Vittorio Coco and we discussed him in an episode. He was a part of that Murders Incorporated back in the day. He was a captain in the Lucchese crime family, well regarded by Tommy Lucchese. And when there was some dysfunction as to who exactly was taking over, he seized control of the family himself. And Tony Ducks Corallo had to travel to Florida, where he was at, to kind of tell him, hey, it's it's okay, this is what we're going to do. And so he relinquishes his position to Tremonti, which takes over for till 73, and then Tony Ducks officially takes the helm. As a result, nothing ever happened to Coco. He wasn't demoted, he wasn't killed, put on the shelf because of that. Because it was understood he was the guardian of the throne and he did as instructed probably by Tommy Lucchese many, many years ago. But now we're looking at a different scenario and we're looking at the changing of the guard. 
how a well-oiled machine all of a sudden is lacking some oil. Some of the oil is burning in the engine and some things may not go according to plan. So the old school mentality of running a tight ship meant that money would be plentiful within the crime family. The Lucchese crime family was one of those families that were very peaceful. The membership really worked very well together and they made a lot of money. They might have not has been as big as the other families, but they really were in almost every racket and they were innovators in rackets under the leadership especially of Tommy Lucchese. This is one reason why Thomas Lucchese, uh, excuse me, Charles Luciano had picked the Tommy Lucchese. He didn't pick him as a boss because it wouldn't have been correct. He picked Tommy Gagliano. But I'm sure that it was discussed that Lucchese had to be under boss because he was quite intelligent and he was an earner and it killed you in a heartbeat at five foot four. So well-oiled machine, old school, handpicked mentorship is really happening during this era. We're looking at 1931 all the way till we get to 1987. Nothing here is awry. Everything is in order. Everything is running according to plan old school. There's no dead bodies in the streets in the Lucchese family. There's no discord in, within the family. And pretty much a lot of people are very happy in the Lucchese crime family. One of the rules that Thomas Lucchese had was giving back to the troops. If a particular score made then millions, it was just a small bucket in the millions that Tommy Lucchese would have already. So he was very keen on giving back to the soldiers in the family. And as a result, he was loved and his policies were loved as well. Remember when we discussed Provacci, he would fine or tax his soldiers, his made men, I believe it was $20 a week or a month, whatever it was, and he was despised for it. And he even, Provacci came up with a story about, well, it's a trust fund, so when members go to jail, we can take care of their families, and he never took care of anybody. But Tommy Lucchese was all about hey, there's plenty on the table. We can give out pieces, morsels, whatever you want to call it, for everybody. So we're running into 1987 now. So the policy of making everybody happy, that was the original policy from inception, is within the fabric of this family. Disputes are handled Oh, you know, business-like, there's really no need to get stupid. Now, of course, like any other criminal organization in Costa Nostra, they weren't shy about putting the gun in the negotiations. But again, if it was about money, there was plenty to go around and not just get enemies for the sake of getting enemies. So we look at the commission case and Tony Ducks gets arrested for the Lucchese crime family, Fat Tony Solano for the Genovese family and, I, and, and for the um, subject matter experts that are listening in their swivel chairs saying, man, man, he wasn't the boss, it was, it was the chin. That's what the federal authorities thought at the time that Tony, Fat Tony, was in charge. But even if he wasn't 
the top, top guy in the Genovese family. He was a boss. So he got arrested. The Bonanno family, they had other charges coming towards them. They were not a part of the commission. So their bad luck would come just a couple of months later down the road in separate cases. Paul Castellano would get arrested for the Gambino family in the commission case. And John Gotti did not like the fact that he would get uh, indicted for that. So they put a couple bullets in him, threw him out, and John Gotti took over. And they, of course, Carmine Persico was already in prison representing the Colombo family on this commission case. The commission case, each boss would receive 100 years. So it was devastating to the leadership of every family. And the Lucchese crime family was no different. So at one point or another, Tony Dux Corolla, which was the boss of the Lucchese crime family, had to make a decision who he wanted in this succession of boss. And there's no doubt if you look, a lot of, let me just say this, a lot of these street warrior experts on Costa Nostra will dispute everything without looking at a piece of evidence. Now, if you're not a made member and were actually around at that time, okay, then you would know the information. You'd have to look at hard evidence and make a intelligent investigative decision as to which way you would continue your investigation. So, as I said once uh, on, on another podcast, I had posed a question to a former made member of the Lucchese crime family about Corona Queens. And in the question, he kind of scratched his head, squinted into the camera and said, Corona Queens? That's That belongs to the, the West Side, which we're referring to the Genovese crime family. And uh, he talks about tough Tony Federici. But the, the, the thing is, he didn't know his past history. Lucchese's weren't around in present time. They were there in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, way before this mobster's era. So a lot of these guys don't even know their history. They only know what's in front of them. They don't know nothing behind them, which is another huge mistake in running these families. So when you look at the hard evidence, the guy that was being groomed was Anello Bigliotti, no doubt. One of the richest couples in the Lucchese Graham family. Sensible. Could do the job as far as being effective if you had to do the rough stuff. But he was an earner. And as a result, he was also old school. He was trained by old school mafiosos. So therefore, he was the perfect fit in. Al... Uh, Milly Glory also took over for Tony Dux Corallo, his old regime in Queens. So there's no doubt. But the question might be, well, why didn't Milly not get the position? He had indictments coming. 87, 80, I believe he got uh, charged and sentenced in 88 or 89 to a 24-year sentence. So it wasn't a good time. Remember, you can make a decision about in X amount of years, if something happens to me, XYZ will be the leadership. But then that time comes and XYZ is all facing indictments on the run, on the lamp, all kinds of problems are happening. So you have to change the business plan. So there is a rumor that there was a gentleman by the name of Anthony Buddy Lugano and a lot of speculation is that Tony Ducks wanted him to take over but here's a couple of questions you have to think about 
So here's what the subject matter experts on the sofa say. They say Tony Ducks picked Buddy Logano to succeed as boss. Vic Amuso, a captain in the Lucchese crime family, and Anthony Gaspipe Cassio, another capo in the family, proceed and they kill Anthony Buddy Logano. They got rid of him. Then they met with Tony Ducks, and Tony Ducks said, Well, there's nobody else left, so I guess I'll have to pick you guys. And this is a real fact finding to the subject matter experts on the sofa. They actually believe that this is how one of the most well organized run criminal organizations in Costa Nostra runs ran during that era. And they could not be further from the truth. What occurred was, most likely, that the tipping of the hat was going to go to Migliori. But because of his indictments, Logano said, well, I guess they're going to pick me because I've got, you know, I'm close to that succession. And as a result, he made some power moves or some out of wacky comments that got back to Tony Ducks. Tony Ducks, in turns, the protocol is one of two. The boss, if he's alive, and in this case, Tony Ducks was alive, he picks the successor in the administration that will follow and he goes off to jail. Number two, Tony Ducks could have said, F everybody, I'm the boss, and I'll be the boss till I die. We know that exists because Carmine Persigold did it for about 30-something years, and Vic Amuso, which is the boss of the Lucchese crime family now, has been doing it for about 40 years. So that exists, but that's not what Tony Ducks did. He had a secession plan all along, could not work out. He might have put Millie, uh, Migliori on standby. Not sure. We won't know that. But there is some evidence pointing to that. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, Buddy here, Logano, starts talking out of school. As a result, gets back to Tony Ducks, and he's got to make examples. And I think he met with Vic Amuso and uh, Gas Pipe. Now, there's a couple of things brewing during this time, too. One, Tony Ducks knows he's going away for 100 years, never to come back. He knows that his Costa Nostra has ended. He knows that if he picks the wrong boss, dissension in the troops will happen. He also knows that there's the old outstanding rules so that captains can pretty much do a vote on their own on who they want to be their next boss. To avoid all that confusion, Tony Ducks has a plan. Now, there's another thing brewing on the side, too. And that's mostly the hit that happens during the commission case on Paul Castellano. As you know, John Gotti it orchestrates a hit on Paul Castellano, boss of the Gambino family. He is killed on, uh, I believe it's December 16, 1986. And he's removed from the commission case, right? Forget about found guilty, he's dead now. And John Gotti takes the helm. The Gambino family, Capos, they voted and elect John the boss. So that did not go well with the chairman of the commission, Vincent de Chin Gigante from the Genovese family. And he calls upon Tony Ducks and the Lucchese crime family. Um, their opinion, of course, they were outraged by it too. So Tony Ducks, 
which probably got elected to handle this problem since he was packing his bags to go away for 100 years, meets with Cassio and Vicamuso. He gives them two assignments. Assignment number one, get rid of Buddy because Buddy was talking out of school. Buddy's removed. He's a cop, but he represents the interest in uh, the Bronx. Now, let's talk a little bit about the interest of Lucchese crime family. They are in the Bronx, Manhattan, New Jersey, and Brooklyn. The Queens operation that we've been talking about all along in Corona is all is extinct almost as of, let's say, 1979. Any traces of them is a little a little smudge on a piece of paper at this point. But these other areas, they firmly control. And the power of the Lucchese crime family always came from the Manhattan faction of the family, 108th Street, in, uh, in the Italian section of East Harlem. And all of a sudden... There needs to be some major moves because who Tony Ducks wanted, he can't pick. He's got to improvise and he's going to go for the people in the organization, the crew in the organization that have never really had been a power in the Lucchese crime family. And that is the Brooklyn fraction. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden to avoid any war or any problems he gives them the hit on Logano he's gone and then he gives Gas Pipe and Vicamuso the hit on John Gotti we know that that was a botched deal they tried to blow up John Gotti in a car bomb so they can blame it on the Zips. The Zips are the Sicilian faction of Costa Nostra, and they are of Sicilian, uh, they speak Sicilian dialect, they speak very fast, and there's where their nicknames come from. They call them Zips because they talk so fast. But they're not American-born, they're Sicilian-born, so they're regarded by Costa Nostra in America as outsiders. So it's easy to point the finger towards them with this carbine things, because that's what the Sicilians do, and it would kind of throw federal investigators off. They wire the car up, and they blow it up in front of a Gambino social club. Uh, I believe it was belonging to Danny Marino, but I could be wrong on that one. And it 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 blows up that one of the guys is the underboss of the Gambino crime family, Frankie DeChico. And the other one is a Lucchese soldier, but he's got gray hair and he resembled from afar John Gotti. Triggered the bomb, they blew it up car blows up they're both dead so it was a botched hit but the commission will take Frankie the Chico as the underboss being dead as some type of retribution for killing Paul Castellano so that's more of an investigative point of view on some of this this Logano stuff that uh, Tony Ducks said no him and then they these guys killed him and then they took over no no that never would have happened because it would have been another sanctioned hit another overtake of a family without boss approval commission never would have stood for it and especially the the chin would not have stood for it and he was the chairman of the commission so so we go from Longano He's gone, bam, bam, they kill him. And now Tony Ducks originally wants uh, Gas Pipe Casio to take over, but he doesn't want it. And he gives uh, Tony Ducks the uh, BS about Vic has more time than me. Vic has put in more um, 
work and all, all this baloney. But the real reason is that Casio could duck behind uh, Vicamuso and not be the limelight to federal investigations and manipulate Manuso, Amuso. And he did that. So Tony Ducks uh, gives them the blessing after they did the two hits. He's done. He goes off to prison for 100 years and ends up dying. And then they take over the family. These guys were not mentored, not prepared. And nothing in their history will tell you that the Lucchese crime family, years prior, wanted these two nincompoops to be in charge. They were placed there because that's the way the cards were dealt. And they went along with it. So, we'll look at uh, some other issues. When we look at Anello Migliori, his case now, he gets sentenced to 88 or 89, 24 years. He appeals, he wins the appeal. And in 1992, he's let go. His, uh, he's let go from prison. He wins his appeal. He's back on the street. The response from Vicar Musso and Gaspipe, they shoot him through the window of a restaurant where he's celebrating his grandson's christening, and they shotgun blast him, try to kill him. He survives. Well, obviously, that's not a very good secession plan. But the reason they might have done that is because he did have some type of legitimate claim to being boss because that was the original mindset of Tony Dux Corral. As a result, he's back out on the street not looking at 24 years. He's a present danger to this new administration. But Miliglori sits down with Vicar Musso. They straighten everything out and he serves Vicar Musso even at one point as acting boss never had intentions to take over the family. He was too rich to be worried about those things. So, do as I say and not as I do has been and was and continues to be the business plan of Vicar Musso. Of course, we know that gas pipe became a tremendous snitch, snitched on everybody to save his own skin. And Vico Musso continues to be the boss of the Lucchese crime family. Now, we've discussed that before. It's not easy running a family from behind prison walls. You get everything secondhand nature, and you got to make decisions that take some time for them to be carried out. But the boss is the boss is the boss, as Nilo De La Croce said to John Cotty, and that is Costa Nostra. As long as Vicar Musso is breathing in air, I believe he's in his 80s now in prison, he's still the boss. And therefore, the do as I say, not as I do, is how they operate. Gas pipe and Vicar Musso would be a killing machine. They would kill a large, large percentage of the Lucchese crime family because people were talking and they wanted to scare submission into the membership. Probably by the time they took over, there was about 110, 115 main members, and they're whacking them left and right. And as a result, it was not a pretty sight. At one point, the new administration of Vico Musso and Gas Pipe, they call in the New Jersey crews that they found out that they were had a low tax fee of about 10% for many, many years, going probably even beyond Tony Ducks, and that Tony Ducks had not really even collected the tax in years, maybe four or five or more years, not really caring and letting New Jersey keep the profits. Well, Vicar Musso and Gaspipe were not having any of that. They immediately came down with a verdict and told New Jersey... You're paying 50% tax on everything. Jersey was up in arms. They call Jersey in for a meeting. New Jersey crew failed to show up, which is a death sentence. And 
the war begins. It was a killing field. Uh, they were going around killing everybody, Vic, Omuso, and Gas Pipe. Whacking people left and right. Rats were all over the place. People were trying to save their own skin. It was to a point that these two individuals that were not very well schooled for the position actually put on a hit on one of their captains because they couldn't get to the captain. They killed the captain's sister. Definitely no no Costa Nostra. They were unhinged. But it all would end with dropping a dime and the underboss of the family, which was Anthony Gaspipe Casio, would put a dime in the telephone, dial the FBI number, and proceed to snitch on Vic Musso and everybody else to save his own skin. Gaspipe wasn't a very intelligent guy. He was an earner. He was a, a thug. He was well-respected on the street, but he wasn't too well-respected for being in the brains department. He violates his own deal with the U.S. government by all oh, small little thing like lying. And as a result, he's kicked out of the deal to serve his life prison sentence. Uh, gas pipe would die in prison recently. I believe he died in this year, 2021. And he was, again, thrown to the wolves, not to be speaking. He was a rat, all this other stuff. But he was a conniver. He had always been that and when he saw the opportunity to save his own skin he thought he was going to work out a Sammy Gravano deal he forgot one important thing lying to the government will kill the deal and that's what he did so the difference between him and Sammy Sammy didn't lie but gas pipe did and that brings another issue here a lot of the guys that went into the witness protection program to the Lucchese crime family, have all testified that Tony Ducks picked Logano as the boss. And in theory, he might have done that as a cover for the hit, but they all knew that to be the story, so they testified to it. And the feds could never disprove it was a falsehood, so it stood as a truth, right? So at that point, at some point, Tony Ducks told Lugano, you're it. Now, I believe Lugano was killed in a meeting that Vic Amuso and Gas Pipe and Amuso's brother was at as well. And they were he was killed at that sit-down. I believe... Tony Ducks reaches out to Logano, tells him, you're the boss, but you got to straighten out with this Brooklyn faction some deals before you get the realm. He goes in on the deal at the meeting and to sit down. He's whacked. He's done. So are they lying? No. That's, that was the word on the street in the Lucchese crime family. Logano's going to be the boss. They repeated it. Can't say it wasn't true. Okay? Because Tony Ducks being old school, wasn't going to tell everybody in the family, this is a bullshit. I'm going to say he's boss, but we're going to whack him. They're not going to do that. So he's going to say he's the boss and then play stupid from there. And that's why you don't see any reaction from the commission, from any other family, or from Tony Ducks after Lugano is killed. Up next... Episode 261 in the Wise Guy series, we continue with the Lucchese crime family. Open the books to Mac as we dive into the New Jersey faction of the Lucchese crime family. This individual took over 25 years to be made. He's basically running the entire operation. He's giving made men that took the oath, soldiers in the Lucchese crime family. He's an associate and he's giving them orders. Tony Ducks opens the books to make Tumac. And as soon as Tumac is made, he must have spent like 24 hours as a soldier because they promoted him to Capo. That's up next on episode 261. 
So let's dive into the word of the week. This week we have from the book of John's, chapter 12, verse 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last days. As we continue to look at the last days, know it's important to be ready because in the blink of an eye, we don't know what could happen. So take that as a word of wisdom. You can hear more on what I read on RaiderCopNation.com. Section on there that says AWOL. Click on that and you can hear all these words of the week. About 30 minutes or less to give you the power of God. As always, continue to pray for yourself. It is important because without you, there's not much in your game, is there? You need to be a part of the solution and not the problem. And don't forget, test everything. Hold fast what is good. This is Alpha Mike, and I'm out of here.